It's Thursday, September 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker, and from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Happy Thursday, guys. Asset Thanks, management Chris. up here. Asset <laughs> management in the house. Uh, we've, it's a good day to be managing assets. Feeling more <laughs> secure look at the market. Already. We're going to get to that in a second. We're going to talk about Amazon's uh, latest event. We're going to talk some precious metals. And we got a flood of email in response to yesterday's <laughs> episode of Market Foolery. But in let's, praise. In praise of the episode. We shall see. Uh, but let's start with the market writ large. Mario Draghi, the president of the European Central Bank unveiled a program to buy government bonds of countries in the Eurozone as a way to bring down interest rates. And guys, uh, the market reaction, safe to say, was quite positive. Um, the market hasn't closed yet as we're taping this, but the Dow, S&P 500, NASDAQ, all up around 2%. Jason, I'll just start with you. When you, when you first saw this news, what did you think? I think that the market really liked the phrase open-ended. Yes. Because it sounds like this is probably going to go in perpetuity. I mean, uh, the one the one thing that, you know, I took notice immediately because the market obviously does like it, and, and it seems like it's more or less a green light just to jump in and speculate with reckless abandon. But uh, I, I tend to look at these a little bit skeptically. I mean, I, I do agree it's bought some time to try to help get uh, – these problems solved give Spain and Italy a little bit more of an opportunity to shore up their balance sheets. But but the bottom line is that the problem is still not fixed. I mean, unemployment and housing uh, are still major issues. These countries still have tremendous debt loads that they're not going to be able to to uh, satisfy here sooner or later. And so I, I I look at you know the market loves it. That's great. I don't know that you need to be just taking this as like the tables have turned though. Bill, what do you think? Well, I don't know that this solution is is going to be substantially different from the many that have preceded it in terms of uh, using government funds uh, to to buy other government uh, debt, uh, and and the market always likes it whenever there's more liquidity uh, put into these things, a little bit more of a floor uh, under the the short term problems that uh, get more and more headlines there. Uh, but I don't know that it it changes much of anything. It's it's a it's one in a series of attempts to uh, give their give everybody more time to solve the more significant problems, which are you know there are serious budget problems there, and they've they've got to solve them. Yeah, it's like that old saying: you can't borrow yourself uh, out of debt. I mean, you can't borrow your way out of debt. It's really uh, th- that's more or less what this is. And at some point, you, you still have to address the bigger problems at hand. So it buys them time, but it doesn't really solve the problem. It's it's a nice accounting move, yep. but it's that it's an accounting move. It doesn't fundamentally change much of anything. So this doesn't do anything to change your outlook as an investor when you look at Europe, whether it's Europe writ large or industries in Europe. Do financials look a little bit more attractive, or is this just a one-day thing? It's a good one-day thing, but it's just just a one-day thing that really isn't having any fundamental effect on your outlook as an investor. Well, to me, I mean, I think it just—it's another example of how headline-driven our markets have become. Uh, how quickly we get this information, and and so I mean, yeah, I think you get this kind of news, and these these headlines change how the markets go. It seems like every day, and so the volatility obviously is going to continue. And and so for me personally, I don't see any one investment looking more attractive than the other. What it does, it makes me more wary of of jumping in on just news like this because all it is is just news like this. It's a headline tomorrow. A bad headline could throw it the other way. So you have to be aware of that. 
If you had zero interest previously in European financials, your interest probably should still be zero. I mean, if <laughs> I you're, you know, it, it just doesn't change that equation. If, however, you know a tremendous amount, which is, I think, the only reason you should consider investing in European financials, if, if you have highly specialized information uh, and skills there. Uh, otherwise, you're you're really investing in something that is too hard to predict at this point. Amazon's event to unveil new Kindle devices is actually going on as we speak. So we're, we're working off of, of partial information. But here's what we know so far, Jason. Um, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, opened up the event um, talking about how things like the $79 Kindle is now going to be priced at $69. There's this new thing they're calling paper white, which has to do with the illumination of the screen. And Bezos said, look, it, the Kindle works in direct sunlight. You can also read it in bed at night. Um, and uh, as you were just saying, right before we started taping, uh, I think you were looking at a live blog of the event. He's starting to share some information about the Kindle Fire tablet. Yes. Um, new pricing as well, presumably um, um, faster speeds and, and 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 generally an improvement because certainly the first Kindle Fire for all the things that Amazon does well the first Kindle Fire tablet uh, I think it's charitable to say did not get rave reviews it was a starting point it was a starting point but um, what do you think uh, of of what you've read so far about the event and and what is it going to mean for the company as we head further to the end of the year and obviously into the holiday season. I can tell you what it means for the Moser household. I'm getting a little <laughs> Christmas shopping done today, Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Kindle Paperwhite, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I got a Kindle because I don't like the backlit nature of a tablet, so uh, I could I could see certainly taking a look at this Paperwhite. Uh, we did see where the, the new Kindle HD that's coming out, it's going to be a larger display, 8.9 inches, and... Um, uh, high uh, HD there, so that'll be that'll be nice, and that I think is going for one ninety nine or something. Um, but then the the Kindle Fire is staying, and it'll be a faster processor, twice the RAM, longer battery life. Uh, so yeah, I think they're doing about what we expected here. They're introducing a number of lines of new Kindles, new iterations, and and this all really goes back to Bezos's statement at the beginning that you know there were all these Android devices that were introduced last year to the market. People Tablet. didn't buy them, yeah, because people aren't really so much looking for the device, they want the content. And we know that's where Amazon's real bread and butter lies, that they are getting this content or or retail goods or whatever it may be. They just want to get these devices into people's hands so that they can buy the content. And so I think that's what Amazon's focused on. They don't need to build an Apple. They don't need to build the competitor with the iPad. It's, it's just they're two different markets there. What about that, Bill? How big an advantage is Amazon's content? Because obviously, Jeff Bezos has a self-interest in opening up the event by saying people don't want gadgets, they want services, and oh, by by happy coincidence, we happen <laughs> to provide services. So I, I recognize that he has that interest, but by the same token, it seems like that could be a significant advantage for Amazon over the next few years as the tablet wars continue and, and shake out. Well, I, th- I think the advantage for Amazon is that that they can operate and are going to be operating again at a price point which gives them a huge advantage over over Apple. And it will exclude everybody else for the moment. Uh, And and that is that... You're you're, you're not waiting with bated breath for the Microsoft (laughs) Surface tablet to come out? If you're going to tell me there's such a thing is coming out, you must out. be reading reading those blogs or something, getting this up to date. No, no one cares. Um, 
Do they? Does anybody care? Anybody other than Seth Jason? Does I, anybody care? I, I actually am curious to see what Microsoft does with the Surface tablet when it finally comes out. And I'm sure we'll talk about it on this show, on our weekly show, because it's, you know, for all the jokes you can, uh, for all the jokes that people can and will make about Microsoft, it is still a huge company with loads of cash. I think it would be crazy to just dismiss them. I'm sure that Apple and Amazon aren't dismissing Microsoft out of no, pocket. No more so than one should have dismissed their phones or or their you know <laughs> the um, Zune, the Zune, which I mean, all of which were I'm sure great devices. I'm not sure I ever saw anybody use one, but um, they they <laughs> probably were okay. Uh, at any rate, there is a, you're not going to go out Christmas shopping uh, and and get three more uh, iPads probably I mean you might because you, you roll that way but you know <laughs> that is not how I roll but but for the kids and the kids more and more are, are grabbing these devices away from the parents if, at least in my house so having another device that can do many of the things that the iPad does uh, will be great to have and to be able to get it without dropping five six seven hundred dollars now, here's an interesting claim I'm just reading here on this blog that we're following so closely. Is I should point out that you're reading this on your iPad. I am so. reading this on my iPad, and I'm sure that my kid at home, Hannah, will see it probably later with her uh, Kindle Fire. But the it says the Kindle Fire HD tablet has Wi-Fi. This is the new Kindle Fire that will be coming out. It has Wi-Fi that is 41% faster than the new iPad. Hey. You know what? I'll bet Apple's got a different measurement. <laughs> I'm just guessing yeah. here. Different just guessing. <laughs> uh, just to close up on Amazon, the stock um, shares of Amazon year to date are up more than forty percent. For people who are looking at this company, what should they think when they look at the stock? Is this is this one of those? Price to perfection or or close to perfection kind of stocks, it's certainly not trading at a significant discount. Bill, what do you think? No, well, I think when I I got blistered by some uh, listener for <laughs> suggesting that Amazon was was a, a value stock last time I was on the show. Yeah, I think it was trading at like one eighty when you when you said that, and and it's now trading in the in the two forty. So, so that, everybody out there who followed my advice, take your take your. <laughs> Paper theoretical profits and and send me some of that because I I no I, I obviously it's it's had a good run as a stock as a company uh, when you're on a good run you tend to get uh, a lot of uh, credit in your stock price uh, for uh, continuing to do things well they'll have some stumbles but I think this is those those that have been been along with Amazon for the long term are probably uh, right to stick with it. Jason, what about you? You've yeah. talked before about getting your daughters interested in investing and buying them stocks. I think the most recent one was Disney. It was, yeah. We Starbucks was the first. Disney was the second. Amazon has been your on that final list. At Starbucks, they is that are, what you're teaching them? Like, uh, they're not they, drinking coffee yet, but yeah. they they are familiar with the coffee bags that are in the house and uh, Daddy's frequent runs to the store. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Amazon has always been on that list of four because they they know that Amazon is just part of the routine when we shop. I mean, that's we get a lot of stuff from Amazon. But uh, yeah, I think just like Bill said, the stock has been on a very nice run. I think it'll continue to stay on a nice run. They're doing a lot of things well. Um, it's not priced for perfection, but it's certainly not trading at a discount. I think there, the inevitable stumble will come. Um, you know, I own shares of Amazon personally, and, and when that stumble comes, uh, I will probably buy a couple of more shares opportunistically. 
email from Bill King. He writes, I know you're focusing a lot on stocks and rollouts from Amazon, Nokia, etc. this week, but would you be able to talk about investing in something like a precious metals ETF, like silver or gold? It would seem that these types of funds would be a nice complement to traditional stocks, not a replacement, but a hedge to a certain extent. What about that, Bill? Is that, I mean, to, to what extent do you as an investor look at Obviously, we're we're stocks. We're focused on stocks here. But to what extent do you look at precious metals ETFs? Um, almost not at all. Although the the logic that that's presented in the question is fair, which is, you know, is it is it a hedge? Is it, if you put gold in a portfolio, which is otherwise balanced with stocks and bonds and and other traditional uh, devices, gold is going to be uncorrelated. Uh, to to stocks and it's going to move on very different things, uh, and what those things are are a little hard to define. In that, uh, an ounce of gold intrinsically is going to be worth uh, is going to be able to do all the same things in a year or ten years or ten thousand years that it does today, <laughs> which is virtually nothing, uh, except what people put into gold, right. which is a just a historic desire to have some. Um, but it, beyond that, it doesn't do very much. Silver, on the other hand, there are, there are more industrial uses for, uh, not as much you know, in, in, in the film industry uh, as, as it was a lot true. of silver was used for back in the day. Uh, but you know, silver actually has some more uses. So uh, there's more of an investment thesis at the time when silver is trading uh, at low prices, which is not today. But uh, you know, gold if it's in your portfolio, if stocks crash, gold's probably not going to crash along with it. Uh, but it, it's, is it an investment? Not in the sense that it is capable of producing uh, returns, you know, for you by owning it. Jason, what about that? Do you do you look, if not at ETFs, do you look at companies that are dealing in this? We've talked in the past about, you know, every once in a while we'll talk about a mining company or that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I always just say if you gave me a bar of gold today, I'd probably sell it and go buy stocks. I mean, I'm not much of a big precious metals guy, but I do think it's a it's a matter of what stage you are in your investing life because you're either uh, younger and trying to grow your wealth, or you're older and you're trying to more protect your wealth. And so I think that if you're someone who's younger and looking to grow your wealth, and probably precious metals and those ETFs aren't going to serve you much much purpose. If you're if you're you know in your later years in life and you're looking to more focus on protecting your wealth, I could see where uh, the ETFs or precious metals serving as a little bit of a hedge, they could help you protect that wealth a little bit more. They, they seem like it you know, maybe deserve a little bit of a uh, spot in your portfolio, but not much more than 5%, I would say. You can always drop us an email, radio at fool.com. And boy, did we get email in reaction to yesterday's show, um, where uh, if you if you listen all the way through, and that's the thing, for, for long- Go back. For listeners- listen all the way through. I, I don't know if all of our listeners realize that uh, every once in a while, our producer, Matt Greer, will just throw in a little something extra at the end of the show, at the end of the credits- a little outtake or something. And yesterday, that included not just a conversation uh, among Jason and Uncle Joe Mager and myself, uh, but Mac played out Celine Dion, Canada's national treasure. Celine Dion, uh, the, the the classic, My Heart Will Go On. And uh, as I said, we got some emails. Who doesn't love that song? Who, who in this room has not been humming that tune all day long? <laughs> Funny you mentioned that. Email from Ryan Weicker in Philadelphia. I'd like to offer a half-sarcastic, half-serious thank you for that extended playing of Celine Dion to close the show yesterday. <laughs> I listened to the taping on my way to work this morning. Four hours later, I am still softly humming that song under my breath 
Heads are turning. <laughs> However, it did purge any chance of a Justin Bieber song getting stuck in my head. So that's a net win for me. From Brian Lucy in Keyport, New Jersey, I'm writing to formally notify you that yesterday's 105-second clip of Celine Dion was outside the bounds <laughs> of the fair use doctrine. While completely hilarious in, ironically, how long it went on, as a longtime listener, I must inform you that it exceeded the maximum Celine Dion time allowable by approximately 104 seconds. <laughs> this standard was adopted by your scores of listeners, yes, up from your dozens of listeners, in our most recent annual meeting. And he signs it sincerely, listener number four score and seven. Uh, and finally, from Francis Rose in Washington, D.C., who simply wrote, Torture, her name is Celine Dion, um, which, which got Mac and I to thinking about uh, and Bill, you're certainly old enough to remember this. Back in 1989, um, uh, when Manuel Noriega was sort of um, uh, basically sequestered himself in a bunker, and the U.S. Army blasted all kinds of music at him as a way to, to 24 hours a, a day just to sort of smoke him out. Um, and I actually printed out the list off the interwebs. Uh, you've got um, New Kids on the Block. Hanging Tough, uh, Billy Joel, We Didn't Start the Fire, uh, a couple of tunes from Van Halen, uh, including Panama, uh, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Boy, if I were Noriega, a good couple hours of that probably would have done it for me. Um, what, if you're using music as a torture device, what are you going with, Bill? I'll start with you. And it can be uh, one song, it could be a, uh, an artist, their entire catalog. What are you going with? Well, I suppose you start, you start the bar, you, you set it at, at say, Barney. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, uh, Barney, then, the, the elephant, the or the dinosaur, the dinosaur, yeah, the purple the dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah, no, don't act like you, you're not a fan. Um, <laughs> so, so you got to start with that, and then say, can I come up with anything worse, worse than Barney? And I don't know if we're looking for for really bad stuff that would, that would be go on far longer than this Celine Dion clip. I would say MacArthur Park. Uh, the Richard Harris version, um, although there are many, there uh, are many versions. There are many. I mean, and that goes on. That does. That's that's. And it seven, includes the, the classic lyric, "Someone left the cake out in the rain." So there's that. Uh, Jason, what about you? Well, thankfully, my daughter has that Kindle Fire and can download music to it, and so I have discovered uh, Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj, sure. And I'll tell you what, man, she's climbing the charts faster than Usain Bolt in this category because this Starship song that's played. 50 times a day in yep. a car and at home is killing me. I know that there are people who are huge fans of this guy, but uh, I have always considered him to be an acquired taste. You're willing to take them on I'm, in, in I'm your willing email to just box say, later on today. I have never acquired the taste nor understood the appeal of the voice of Tom Waits. I yeah. just... Tom Waits just never did it for me, and in college, I certainly ran into a few friends who just looked at me with shock and awe that I, I wasn't worshiping at the altar of, of Tom Waits. Uh, kind of a gruff. You're pointing to, to producer. I Mac just didn't. I, I didn't know if Mac. Mac is a huge music fan. I didn't know if he wanted to get in on this. Uh, I know he was. He was. You know, a little surprised that on this list of, of music torture, uh, <laughs> the music torture song list uh, for Manuel Noriega, uh, there's there's Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, which. Um, you know, again, I mean, I, Mac, I, you're a huge Springsteen fan, but but if you're Manuel Noriega, you're probably not. I don't think they they were looking for songs to torture him by, just loud music to play at him, which was thematic with the, with the event. That could be, Mac. What what are you going with for uh, for your torture? I'm going to blast the Dan Fogelberg, like leader of the band, or something like that. <laughs> a best of, a best of Dan Fogelberg, a best of album of Dan yeah. Fogelberg. 
Absolutely. That'll do it. All right, Bill Barker, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the songs they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Yeah, the Tom Waits song that I know, Widespread Panic, does a cover of that going out west. But yeah, other like I don't like listening to him. I mean, I like some of his music, but uh, like when other bands cover it, he just doesn't quite were you, cut it. Were you a Tom Waits guy? Uh, yeah, I don't mind Tom Waits. I mean, he's in a large category of people who don't have great voices, but who, you know, <laughs> is that who, a nice way of saying <laughs> sucks? <laughs> but but whose music is listenable? You know, I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with Dan Fogelberg's voice, right? Dan Fogelberg, that's center field, right? No, no. Who is that? That's, that's John. John Fogarty. John Fogarty. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Boy, man. man we're going to get an email. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Confusing Dan Fogelberg that was, and John uh, Fogarty.